It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> All right, uh, good afternoon. A wet one and a wet overnight. And uh, that's the way it's going to be, people. Uh, nice to have you along with us here today. It is the Patrick Johnson Show on uh, 94.3 The Game. I am uh, merely Patrick Johnson, and uh, happy to have you along with us here on the ride uh, this afternoon. We got a huge show. Uh, of course, we're going to be dealing with the effects of Hurricane Idalia, which just devastated the Big Ben section of Florida's Gulf Coast and uh, has dumped a lot of rain in Georgia and South Carolina. It's starting to uh, rain here. Uh, in the east, back uh, through the central uh, Piedmont to Charlotte. So uh, it is uh, going to be a fine gradient line. And uh, I think Greenville, well, we'll find out in a few minutes. Uh, whenever we have uh, weather that is alarming, the one and only, the coach, my coach, meteorologist David Sawyer, Pod Sawyer is going to be with us in just a few minutes from Storm Team 9. So he'll run through what to expect out of Adalia here overnight. Uh, there is a... Uh, uh, well, well, we'll let him tell you about it, whether it's a watch warning, what's going on in Eastern North Carolina. Uh, Doug Martin usually would join us on Fridays. Now that the Steve Logan show airs at five on Fridays and we are at six o'clock, uh, I wanted to move Doug off of that time so we could have him talk Wednesday and it worked out better with his schedule. So every Wednesday during the football season, we're going to have Doug Martin with us, uh, on the program. Coach Houston's comments from media day, uh, this week from the press conference, That'll be coming up as well in our Pirate Report. Uh, as we told you yesterday, uh, Keaton Mitchell did make the uh, roster for the uh, uh, did uh, make the roster for the uh, Baltimore Ravens, and uh, we uh, they they, they Philip Pilkington, by the way, is here producing the show today. Pilk did they, they tweeted it out or they released it officially? So I mean, it's official, official that uh, Keaton's on the roster. We knew it, but it just. It's official, official, I guess. Yeah, about a little before noon today, they tweeted out their official 53-man roster, and there were uh, four running backs on there, and uh, his name was one of Keaton them. Keaton was one of them. Now, who did they cut to make room for Keaton? I mean, this was, but Keaton earned it, don't get me wrong, but this also had a little bit of that, like it is in the NFL, financial attachment to it. Yeah, they had to uh, cut Melvin Gordon, who, you know, former That's pro right. bowler. However, he was yeah. in Denver last year, definitely had a case of the fumbles, and uh, I don't know if that was the reason or, a, like you said, financial. But he's a veteran guy and would have earned considerably more money. Correct. He's been in the league for the more Mitchell. than seven years or whatever, so they would have right. had to pay him north of a million where they can pay Keaton right. as little as like 660000 Still not bad uh, scratch. I'd take it, right? No, it is it's far from couch change. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, Pilk's got some updates on uh, other Pirates and other players from our area making uh, – practice squad so stand by for that with our pirate report 94.3 the game sports update but right now let's go to the phones uh meteorologist for storm team nine he coached me in eight-man football way back in the day the coach podge david sawyer is with us here again on the patrick johnson show how are you sir 
Patrick Johnson, a pleasure and uh, always an honor to be a part of your program, especially when it deals with this weather situation. And again, thank you for uh, reaching out and, and establishing the contact to be a part of the program today. Well, it's awesome to have you on. So Adalia is making its way uh, with some leading light rain. The heavier rain, I guess, is going to be overnight. Uh, this came in and ended up coming in as a Cat 3, but it got really powerful overnight. Uh, for Eastern North Carolina, what, what can we expect? And, you know, we always kind of like to take it that 95 to 17 quarter, which includes Greenville, obviously, uh, you know, kind of 264 or 64 on, on downward to, to 70 maybe. You know how we you know how we roll. So just kind of take us overall <laughs> what to expect, and we'll we'll go from there. Yes, indeed, and and I really uh, always value the way uh, we we do communicate uh, for our listeners, and uh, really really uh, look forward to uh, letting you in on the very latest uh, as uh, being a part of your program today. Here's what's just come in from the National Hurricane Center, Patrick. Uh, uh, it's now a tropical storm, as expected. The storm, as you said, made landfall early this morning around 7.45 a.m. in what's known as the Big Bend area of Florida on the northern uh, west coast of the Gulf Coast of Florida and brought uh, just uh, colossal storm surge to that part of the country uh, this morning, as expected. The storm is currently about 40 miles, uh, 40 miles west of Savannah, Georgia, just to put a, a pinpoint of where the center of circulation is located. Uh, the maximum sustained winds are still, are still pretty respectable at 70 miles per hour, but that does, uh, bring it now to a tropical, a strong tropical storm status. So in a, in a, in a introductory, uh, set of remarks, Patrick, what we expect for eastern North Carolina and of course for the listening area will be deteriorating conditions with heavier and heavier rain moving into this evening and especially for tonight. And uh, echoing your point, Patrick, uh, we will, uh, I will look forward to you leading us through yeah. our visit in terms of, uh, you know, specific geographic locations. I think that has worked well. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from you and from listeners that this seems to be a good way for us to communicate to uh, the listeners with respect to what eastern North Carolina can anticipate from a tropical storm like um, this particular situation. But Idalia is moving to the northeast. Uh, it's picking up forward speed. And as expected, I'm very pleased to say right now, Patrick, that the forecast has really verified nicely, uh, which is important because obviously if the forecast is accurate, people know what to expect and all, all will come together very, very well. So that's the overview. And I now look forward to getting specific uh, as you lead me through the remainder of our visit with regard to locations within the listening area. All right. Meteorologist David Stoyer from Storm Team 9. Adalia is now a tropical storm. That's some of the good news here. Uh, so uh, let's stick with, uh, you know, kind of Rocky Mount, Wilson, uh, Goldsboro, Greene County, Greenville, Kinston, uh, that that kind of sector between 95 and uh, 17, let's say, maybe Williamston. Uh, well, Williamston's more on 17. But so that, that sliver there, which uh, our main studios are in, Greenville, Farmville, that, that kind of area from yeah. back to Wilson uh, to 17, yeah. what are we looking at? Yeah, indeed, Patrick. North and west 
as you are describing, within the listening area, north and west. The farther north and west you are in the listening area, the better the situation in terms of rainfall uh, your area is going to be. So for, say, Rocky Mount, northward toward Roanoke Rapids, uh, even as far south as Wilson, we're talking about rain totals probably in the order of two to four inches, which is appreciable, but not going to cause major, major problems, in my opinion, with that amount of rain in spite of what has already fallen. Now, as we get a little closer to the Greenville area, uh, so outlining what you've just pointed to our listeners, let's go, say, from Snow Hill, Greenville, to Hamilton, over to Williamston, and maybe south toward Kenston. The rain totals will be appreciably higher for this zone within the listening area, Patrick. I'm thinking between four and six inches of additional rain could be significant for toward Washington, which will cause flash flooding later this evening and more likely into the overnight. So on the good side, Patrick, I would say that because people can get home, we hope they can get home this evening. My encouragement is for everyone, if you do not have to be out, I I recommend you get into, of course, uh, the safety of your home. Uh, make sure you're, of course, in an area that's not flood prone. And if you have to be out, be aware because it's nighttime driving to begin with. Be aware that there will be water covered roadways that could lead to uh, hydroplaning risk and also the fact that some water covered roadways could indeed be a situation where, uh, it, it, you know, it could be a very dangerous prospect for anyone trying to drive tonight for areas uh, around, say, uh, Greenville, Kinston, Snow Hill, Washington, over toward, uh, say, Williamson and Plymouth in that corridor right there. So that kind of takes place uh, as far as the central listening area and northwest. And I'll let you continue from there with regard to what you want me to talk about toward the coast. David Sawyer, uh, Storm Team 9 meteorologist, is with us. All right, so I guess take us through you know, Beaufort County to Pamlico to Craven, Carteret, uh, you know, into Onslow and the beaches there. Yeah, it's really getting dicey for these areas, Patrick. And so for listeners and interest, if you're thinking about uh, traveling through Duplin County, Jones County, uh, Craven County, over into eastern Beaufort County, as you're describing, Patrick, and that, of course, also includes Pamlico County, will hold on, say, Onslow and Carteret for just a moment. But I would say this could be the bullseye, Patrick, in terms of rainfall. And what I mean by that, the onslaught of the Atlantic moisture with this unwrapping storm. And what we're, what's, what's happening here, Patrick, is as Idalia is unwinding as it's over land right now, basically the energy and all of this tropical moisture is beginning to spread northward as the system begins to deteriorate with its tropical characteristics in terms of a high-packed hurricane. So with that, I'm expecting a frontal boundary that's easing its way into eastern North Carolina this evening. Patrick, what that's going to do is enhance the lift of the atmosphere, which will further squeeze out more rain. So for areas like Kenansville, over toward Trenton and Jones County, uh, say Newburn up to Vanceboro, over toward Aurora into Beaufort County, uh, Patrick, areas here could see 8 to 10 inches of rain before the night is through, which will likely cause 
significant urban and uh, flash flooding uh, across these portions. So driving not recommended tonight if you are listening or going to be in possibly in an area of, say, from uh, Duplin County, Jones County, uh, Craven County, Pamlico County, and central portions of Beaufort County. Not a good situation unless you absolutely have to be out tonight. And Hyde County, I guess, too, for good measure, would fall into that same area. Yeah, I would uh, also. Area. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that about Hyde County. I'm going to put Hyde County in the same category as Onslow and Carteret, just from okay. the standpoint of, yeah, in terms of wind. We want to bring in the wind factor for Onslow, Carteret, and say Hyde counties because we're going to be dealing with significant winds this evening as the as the center of circulation will will cross. Uh, just to the east of Cape Fear near Wilmington late tonight, early tomorrow morning. And that's going to bring in the added effect of higher winds for areas like Jacksonville, Moorhead City, Swan Quarter, Inglehard. Those areas along the immediate coast and just inland will not only have the problem with heavy rain and possible, well, I'm going to go further than that to say likely flash flooding tonight for areas for the coast and just inland. We're also dealing with winds that are going to be gusting over 50 to 60 miles per hour, which in turn could cause some power outages and also some dangerous situations with limbs, trees, and that type of thing. We certainly want to be very, very vigilant and not be venturing out if you're listening to us from the U.S. 17 corridor east toward the coast tonight. Right. Okay, David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist. So we're looking at six inches of rain uh, for uh, Greenville, approximately uh, as many as yep. much as six inches, as much as 10 inches yes, for the area that was New Bern, uh, Washington, and if you're along the coast, uh, you could experience some power outages with heavier rain. Also, uh, expect yes, sir. What, what is real yep. before we let you go? The timing of all this. When can we expect the heavier rains, and then when can you expect this to get out of here? Yep, spot on question as well, Patrick. Appreciate you bringing that to our conversation. I'm expecting, in terms of the front end, this rain shield is going to move in from south to north as the system moves up the eastern seaboard. So conditions are going to deteriorate uh, from south to north across the listening area throughout the evening hours. Heaviest precipitation will be, say, 9 p.m. to around 4 a.m. early on Thursday morning. Then to the positive, there's some dry air building in behind this frontal system that I mentioned a few minutes ago. That, mm-hmm. I believe, Patrick, is going to turn off the rain pretty quickly from west to east into Thursday morning. And, I, and I'm, going to, I'm going to stick stick a step of faith here. I think the dry air is going to win out such that the rain could be gone as early as mid-morning on Thursday. And we might even see some peaks of sunshine deeper inland into the afternoon hours on Thursday, which will begin the drying out process. And to the positive, I think Labor Day weekend, other than the fact that there will be cleanup, there will be some aftermath, of course, from the system, that, you know, the storm that moves through, other than to have to clean up, I think weather-wise, we're going to see a delightful Labor Day weekend across the listening area for that would being Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even into Monday. And we'll, we'll you know, if, if we need to, Patrick, we can revisit next week. The system is going to sit out over the Western Atlantic. This, the remnants are going to sit over the Western Atlantic. I'm not going any farther than that right now, but it's not going okay. to move on out of here. It's going to just fester for a few days. So, you know, if things become such that we need to visit again, Patrick, I will look forward to you reaching back out to me. But for the short term, keeping it on the short term forecast, 
Deteriorating conditions tonight. Heavy rain this evening through the overnight. We'll see clearing from west to east as we move into Thursday mid to late morning. And I'm I'm optimistically saying that by Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, and on into Labor Day weekend, we should ha- we should have cooler, drier air, and really giving us a nice weather weekend for Labor Day. That's awesome. Hey, uh, David Sawyer, Storm Team 9 meteorologist, uh, the great uh, David Sawyer with us. Thank you so much. Great to speak to you, and we'll keep an eye on uh, the tropics and anything else and let the folks know what's going on. But thank you for the time this afternoon. Patrick, thanks for letting me be a part of the program. All right, there he goes, David Sawyer. Uh, Great information there, and that gives you an idea. I mean, I had people texting me during that, ask him about this county, ask him about that. So we tried to get as much of the ground covered in eastern North Carolina as we could, uh, and certainly within our uh, our signal reach uh, here on the game. Uh, by the way, uh, there were some football games scheduled for tomorrow night. Uh, we know J.H. Rose, who is set to play at Northern Nash, has moved their game now to Friday. So uh, the Rampants will play Friday, and uh, you'll hear that right here on 94.3 The Game. I'm guessing that's still at 7 o'clock. So, uh, yep, 7 o'clock, Patrick, that is correct. Yep. <clears throat> All right, thank you. Pilk will be the lead-in for that uh, following the Logan Show. We'll be the, the, nice, uh, the nice meaty part of that sandwich. How about that? All right, uh, we're uh, going to take a break, and uh, we'll come back. And when we do, we're going to hear from uh, – Doug Martin, Coach Martin, of course, offensive coordinator for Steve Logan at ECU for a number of uh, years, a decade, was the head coach at Kent State, the head coach at New Mexico State, now a offensive coordinator in the USFL. He uh, lives down in Emerald Isle, semi-retired. We'll talk to him. He's been a great guest with us uh, last season, and we're going to have him on Wednesdays this year to talk college football week one right after these words. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Thanks for being with us uh, today. Thanks to David Sawyer for being on. A lot of great uh, comments. Uh, on that, uh, we'll uh, we'll maybe share some of those with you from the Always Anonymous text line later on. But now we go to Emerald Isle, where, Coach, you better batten down the hatches, according to what David Sawyer just uh, Doug Martin, Coach Martin, joining us uh, Wednesdays this year on the Patrick Johnson Show. He looks rested. He re- look, looks relaxed. He looks tan. There you go. Better than better than what what six seven years ago or something like that, or heck, even sooner than that. But I mean. This all right. Where this time, it, let's just say, what was it? Two years ago, three years ago, whatever. Wednesday before the Saturday game, week one. What was, what was it like for Doug Martin? I guess it was not like oh. it is now. That great beach decor and, and all that behind you. Oh. Uh, definitely not like what it is. What it is now. It's much better now. I can tell you that. Oh, uh, you know, Wednesday before a game, first game especially, Patrick, you're worried about so many different things. And, you know, how's your team going to play and what are they going to look like and your depth. And, you know, you know some of the problems that you have and you're, you're trying to hide those and you're trying to accentuate your positives. And uh, it's always a cat and mouse game. That first game, you know, you always have a lot of improvement from the, you know, the first game to the second game. So you, you hope to get the, an easy win the first one and then move on. Famously, uh, Steve Logan would get very nervous before the games. Um, did you have that same kind of, I don't know if you went that extreme, but did you have that same kind of nervousness before a game? 
Yeah, you know, Steve, and he, and he will tell you, he was most nervous when we were playing people like, oh, you know, East Tennessee State or, you know, somebody, anybody we were supposed to beat. Those are the games he was the most nervous. The, the games where we're playing Miami of Florida, oh, there was nobody looser than Steve because, you know, he was gambling with somebody else's money. And uh, you right. had a great time in those. But, yeah, as a coordinator, though, you got a lot on your mind. There's a lot on your plate when you're an offensive defense coordinator and you're calling plays. And, uh, you know, I think I've told you this before. One of the first things that Steve told me when he made me his offense coordinator was, you know, there, there will be games where you can win games with play calling, but they're few. But you can lose a game in a heartbeat as a play caller. And that really resonated with me, and he's really right. You know, you, you can lose a game a lot faster than you can win one as a play caller. So th there's a lot of pressure on those guys that are handling the, the play calling duties. Coach Doug Martin, uh, ECU offensive coordinator for uh, a decade. He was the head coach at Kent State, New Mexico State. Two of the greatest jobs a coach could ever have in college football. And then uh, they, bra they, brought him, yeah, they brought him out of <laughs> retirement. And uh, he's now uh, with the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL as an offensive coordinator. In case uh, you're listening to the show and you hadn't heard us talk to Doug uh, about that experience, you enjoyed that, didn't you? Because it was just football, right? I, I did, Patrick. It was awesome. <clears throat> you know, the players were great to work with because they're they're hungry. You know, all these guys are trying to either get back to the NFL or they're trying to get to the NFL or, they're, you know, they're trying to make money. And it's professional athletes. And so you don't have to motivate these guys at all. And you talk about wanting to be coached and just a joy to be around. I, I really had some great relationships with the players. And, you know, it's different because nobody's calling you coach. You know, at that level, it's, you know, you're Doug and this is John. And it's everybody's on the first right. name basis. It's just a lot more mature, you know, professional setting. Uh, and it is just football. You know, there's no recruiting. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, boosters, clubs, all that type of stuff. And you I mean, you just no coach parents. Ball all day. <laughs> no parents, no parents, no little league parents. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was great. You know, you deal with some agents and things like that. With, you know, when they we want their guy to get the ball more and all that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, it was a great experience. Doug Martin's with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show, and we're going to bug him every Wednesday during uh, the uh, football season, which is uh, – I think it'll work a little better for him, so that'll be exciting to uh, to get his perspective. We'll talk about the games that were and the games that will be. So let me ask you about uh, this conference expansion. It now looks quite likely uh, in the ACC. It was in pencil is what uh, was being said out of the weekend. Uh, you had some interesting thoughts on that whole uh, deal, and we're talking specifically about the ACC adding Cal and Stanford and apparently SMU. Yeah, you know, you and I talked last week about SMU. I thought that was a great – get for the ACC. It's a good fit. SMU has a lot of money, and that gives the ACC a good fit footprint in Texas for recruiting and all those type of things. I thought that was a good one. The Cal Stanford thing, to me, what that tells me is <clears throat> that the ACC is a little bit in survival mode, that they know they're going to lose some teams, and that that was a preemptive strike just to keep this thing together. Uh, until they can get who they really want and, and how to get it set up the way they want. Because that, that's a stretch. Obviously, you're the Atlantic Coast Conference, and now you're going out to the Pacific Ocean to play other teams. That That's a stretch. And you still got Washington State and Oregon State sitting there from the Pac-12 too. So I think it will be interesting to see, does the ACC pursue them also to try to get more teams out that way if you're going to go that direction, or do they go in a different direction? 
you know, one of the things that, you know, you and I were talking about, and I, nobody's really talked about this, but three of the most prestigious football programs in the country are the military academies. you got Army, Navy, and Air Force. And all three of those teams have been really good the last few years. They've upset some power conference teams. They've all been in bowl games. You know, they're all financially secure. To me, that's a great place for the ACC to go to look for a couple more teams yeah. if you're wanting something really solid and something that will create a national audience. Every time those guys play, I mean, there's a national audience for those guys. And you get the Army-Navy game on your in your conference and those type of things, you know, I think that's a good, a, a good venue for them. You know, what would be interesting about that is – Army and Navy would probably have to play that then the last weekend of the regular season rather than, you know, two weeks after the regular season. And it would have to be football only, obviously. I don't think the other sports uh, would be able to compete. But that is interesting. That That's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting yeah, I deal. Think, I could – yeah, go ahead. Well, I think, too, Patrick, all these group of five teams – they need to move. You know, group of five football is it, it's going to be tough now to survive the way things are moving. So, you know, you have East Carolina sitting here, a possibility for the ACC, which, you know, they'd be a good fit. Tulane. I mean, Tulane is an outstanding football program right now is another one. Coastal Carolina, Appalachian State. There's all sorts of teams on this side of the country that the ACC could look at um, that to me would be good fits that I know are committed having great football teams and great football programs, you know, if in fact they're going to lose more teams in which, you know, guys in the profession that I talk to say there's going to be probably four teams from the ACC they're going to walk after this year. So, you know, they're going to have to fill some wow. holes. Wow, that is interesting. Um, you know, and I know there's some political uh, momentum, maybe not the most political momentum, but there's political momentum to – have ECU in the ACC. I mean, they're, they're, and I'm talking legislatively. So, I mean, you know, but, and they may have to, depending on how, how this goes and, and who leaves. Uh, so we'll see. I, I just think you got to be as ready as possible. You know, and, and here's what's interesting, Doug. It's a lot different than when you were coaching at East Carolina. You know, I talked to coaches in all these different sports and, you know, maybe save Minji's Coliseum, which, you know, admittedly, needs a lot more money put into it and needs a major facelift. The other facilities that East Carolina has are as good as some in the ACC. I mean, a lot of ACC teams that will play down here rave about the facilities at ECU. So, I mean, from a facility standpoint, uh, you know, ECU would definitely be a fit. I I think that's absolutely true. And from a fan base standpoint, you know, you you look at a lot of group group of five teams, they just, they just don't have great fan bases. They don't draw crowds. I mean, you know, you can have a scrimmage at East Carolina and you'll get 20,000 people to show up. If you open it up, you know, those fans are going to show up. So that to me is the thing that would be attractive, you know, for the ACC, for them. And obviously geographically, it's attractive. And you're right. You've got to have a plan now if you're a group of five program, if you're going to survive. Because I'm telling you, this movement thing, it's going to keep going. You know, the reason teams are looking to move from the ACC, and let's just say they're going to go to the SEC, they're just suiting, they're just setting themselves up to move after that to this super power conference that's coming, this super deal where I've told you before, I mean, these teams, Alabama, Georgia, you know, some of these great Ohio State, these guys are going to separate from the NCAA totally here for long. It's going to be like pro football for those for those programs. And that's what's yeah. getting ready to happen. <clears throat> All right, week one of the college football season. Uh, let's uh, 
let's let's start, of course, with East Carolina at number two, Michigan. Um, on paper, the Wolverines are considered maybe the most talented team in the country. Lots of uh, NFL draft picks stocked on the roster. No hardball, no offensive coordinator in this game. Yeah. Uh, so let's start there. Do you think that, I mean, you've called plays. Does that make a difference? I know they, they've talked about whether the anticipation is they could have a X amount of plays scripted, but, I mean, what is that in your mind? It would seem to me that not having the coordinator for a game could be a little bit bigger deal than not having Jim Harbaugh. No question. You know, you and I talked about that last week about, you know, Harbaugh, that, you know, that unless it was going to be a really tight game, you had to make a, a call to go for it on fourth down or go for two to win it or those type of things. The head coach is not going to be that important. But that coordinator position, that's big. You know, when I saw that their offensive coordinator is going to have to miss this game also, that's a definite advantage to East Carolina. Now, you know, Michigan is – you know, one of the most talented football programs in the country, obviously, and there's still going to be a task to play up there and all that type of stuff. But that hurts. When you lose that coordinator, it's like we just talked about, you can lose a game in a heartbeat by making the wrong call at the wrong time. And now I don't know who's going to call their plays, but it's probably somebody that doesn't have as much experience as a guy that just missed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you're the Pirates, got a new quarterback, got a lot of talent, but it's young talent. Not the most experienced. Obviously, you're going into a Lions den. You talked about it earlier. Are you playing with a little bit of house money going into this? Absolutely. I mean, nobody in the country expects East Carolina to win that game other than the people in East Carolina, right? So go up there and play loose. And, and as a coach, play loose. And, and man, they load your gun and fire all the bullets. Don't leave anything left. You know, every every trick play you could have, Every and don't be afraid to call them. You know, take chances in this thing. Um, you know, and, and if you can get them into the fourth quarter, if you can get in the fourth quarter where this is a 10-point game, a 14-point game, all the pressure goes back on Michigan now. You know, we made a living like that at East Carolina when I was there. You know, we play those teams, and we just keep hanging around and hanging around, and all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, we're still there. And, you know, that's when they start to fumble a little bit. They start to, you know, make some mistakes, and, uh, you know, you can win those games late. Coach, uh, as far as – you know, Mike Houston's going to take the team to uh, the big house when they get there Friday, just because it's, you know, it's, it's a vast venue. Um, you know, the, the spin is, you know, a la Hoosiers, that kind of thing. But, I mean, it is still a 100-yard field and whatever it is across. I mean, it's all the same. You know, the grass is the same as it is in Greenville, in a sense. Um, you like that move? Yeah, I, I do. You know, when you go to play someplace like that that you haven't been before, uh, you know, if you're going to play, you know, South Carolina or Clemson, most of these kids have been there before. It's not as big a deal. But I think, you know, going to a place like Michigan, letting the players see it the day before the game, know where the locker room is, kind of get the bearings. Right. That does put them at ease sometimes. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of time when you're on the road. I mean, as a coach, you're looking for things to do, too, to fill some time. You, you want to keep the guys focused, but – you know, you also want them to relax too. So that that's a good way to fill a, bit, a little bit of time and make them a little bit more comfortable. All right. Uh, tomorrow night, things kick off week one. Uh, Wake Forest at Elon. We know your son's on staff at Wake Forest. What kind of year are the Demon Deacons going to look at having? You know, I think it's a rebuild for them, Patrick. You know, Sam Hartman, the quarterback they lost, who went to Notre Dame, who you know, had a phenomenal game. Uh, the other day over in Ireland uh, beating Navy. And, you know, Notre Dame looked phenomenal with him. But they're going to miss him. I mean, that's a big loss. I think they've still got, you know, good quarterback play. They've got, you know, good offensive line. They've got some pretty good receivers. But 
that's a loss when you lose a guy like Sam Hartman. And then more importantly for Wake, I think they they actually lost a lot of guys on defense. So I think they're still a bowl team. I think they can still get there. But the 9-10 win season, I'm not sure that's there for them this year unless things really go well for them. But, you know, if they get into a bowl game again, then Dave Clawson will have done a phenomenal job, and, and he has done a phenomenal job. But if he can do that with this group, then he, he's really you know got that program on solid ground. NC State at UConn, Coach. Yeah, I mean, UConn it got a little bit better last year, but that's a mismatch. You know, NC State's got a lot more speed, a lot more talent than UConn. Uh, you know, UConn, there's another example of a team for the ACC, too, that might look at somewhere down the road. But uh, but I think that, that should be an easy win for NC State. I'm interested, uh, you know, Florida had to ch- kind of change their travel. You talked earlier about, you know, uh, kind of the routine uh, to go out mm-hmm. to number 14, Utah. So, uh, you know, Gainesville ended up not getting as much of the brunt of this hurricane as uh, maybe they originally thought. Florida probably did the right thing to leave early, though. Uh, but does that uh, what does that mean as far as tomorrow night goes? Yeah, they're going to get hit a lot harder in Utah than they were by that hurricane. I promise you that. <laughs> Listen, that, that Utah team, that Utah team, and that Utah program is no joke. Now, I mean, they play great defense every year. And they are a physical, hard-nosed, hard-hitting program. It's just what they're built on. It's just in their DNA. That is going to be a tough, physical football team. So, uh, yeah, I think Florida is going to have a rough time in that game. Uh, Just looking through here, I guess Florida State and uh, Sunday, Florida State and LSU are going to play. That'll be at 730 in Orlando, one of the uh, neutral site uh, games over Labor Day uh, weekend. So uh, that's that's your top. 10 matchup this week, and uh, boy, Florida State's got LSU in that building. they got to go to Clemson in a few weeks, so we're going to find out how for real the Knolls are, I think. Yeah, you will. You'll find you'll find out if offensively were they a little bit of a fluke from last year. They got a little bit better quarterback play, but it was still, to me, inconsistent. So you're going to find out a lot in this first game against LSU because I know they are definitely headed in the right direction. Coach Kelly's done a good job of getting talent in there, getting the right coaches in there. You know, they've already made great improvements. So that, that's going to be a tough task for Florida State. And then Labor Day night really quick, uh, number nine Clemson at Duke. Can the Blue Devils hang? I think they can. You know, again, that's one of those games they just want to get in the fourth quarter and be hanging around. And it's going to be a matter of not giving Clemson the big plays. You know, that's what, you know, really hurts when you play a team like them. If they get the big plays on you, explosion plays, makes it difficult. If you can make them drive the length of the field and they score, that's one thing, but you can't give them the big play. All right, batting down the hatches down there, Coach. Just chill out <laughs> cut, tonight. Cutting in my fishing. It's cutting in my fishing, Patrick. It's killing me. <laughs> Doug Martin, great to talk to you, Coach. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it, buddy. Good luck. All right. Awesome to have Doug Martin on. He's down there in Emerald Isle, so uh, best to he and his wife as uh, they reason with the hurricane season. All right, uh, a break, and we will come back. Uh, Philip the Ref Pilkington on the other side of this timeout with the 94-3 The Game Sports Flash Update and Pirate Report. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94-3 The Game.
Philip Pilkins here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report and Sports Flash Update. ECU Soccer did send out a tweet today saying bring your raincoats to tomorrow's game, which means tomorrow's game against UNCW at 7 o'clock is still on at Johnson Stadium. Admission is free all season long to Pirate Soccer. And some players are being signed to practice squads today around the NFL. According to Hoist the Colors, former Pirate tight end Ryan Jones has signed with the New York Giants practice squad and a broadcast report is out that the Seahawks have signed quarterback Holton Ehlers to their practice squad. Moving on to players who didn't play for the Pirates but are from Greenville. Greenville native Cornell Powell has been signed to the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad as a report that is has come out from Kansas City. Moving on to the Carolina Panthers. After initially making the 53-man roster, the Panthers have waived quarterback Matt Corral. This was being reported by Michael David Smith from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports that if he clears waivers, he is likely to land on the Panthers practice squad. College football is just over, sorry, week one of college football is just over 24 hours away. The Demon Deacons of Wake Forest will host Elon tomorrow night at 7 p.m. The Deeks finished last season 8-5 after a 27-17 win over Mizzou in the Gasparilla Bowl. And the NC State Wolfpack will get their season started tomorrow night as well as they travel up to UConn to take on the Huskies. Last week the pack or last year the pack finished 8 and 5 after falling to Maryland in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. That'll do it for your 943 the game sports update. The final segment of the Wednesday edition of the Patrick Johnson show on the other side of this time out. And now the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, welcome back. And uh, we are going to be doing a pirate report here just in a a couple of seconds. Uh, Great to have uh, Doug Martin on. That was good stuff with uh, Coach Martin, and he'll be with us every Wednesday. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to have Jim Zoki with us on the Patrick Johnson Show. We'll also hear from the uh, coordinators uh, for the uh, Pirates. Uh, tomorrow during the program, uh, that will be the uh, one and only uh, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Donnie Kay, and uh, Blake Harrell. So uh, we'll have that for you tomorrow. Uh, special Note the special time tomorrow for our video audience, 10 in the morning tomorrow. Uh, we will be bringing you the Patrick Johnson Show and then, uh, of course, back here on the radio side at uh, 5 o'clock uh, tomorrow. So that's uh, what is going on there. Uh, Friday will be on uh, the radio side at 6, 10 a.m. on the uh, video side. And uh, Friday we'll have Andrew Bays with us on the Patrick Johnson Show. Andrew's getting set to head to Michigan. In fact, uh, we'll be talking to him that uh, morning live on video, and then uh, he'll head to Ann Arbor with the team at 2 in the afternoon where uh, the Pirates will uh, get set to take on number 2 Michigan. Okay, that is that. And I think, Pilk, we're going to do a Labor Day show. I think that's we're trending towards that right now. A little holiday so, show. G- giving the people yeah, what they want on their day off. It's been a while since we've done that. And uh, I've got to work that evening anyway, so we might as well do the show, right? But it's not like there won't be anything to talk about. There'll be plenty to talk about. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll alert all the uh, people we need, and, and we'll do that. So, all right, good stuff. What do you uh, – anything um, – you know, I've, obviously, it's great for Ryan Jones and great for uh, 
uh, Cornell Powell and uh, good news for Holt Naylor's as well that uh, they're all going to be on the practice squads. And, uh, you know, that allows them a little freedom to, to kind of taxi back and forth. We'll see. The Matt Corral thing is surprising to me because I, I thought your point yesterday was really good in that they kept him because of the economics of it. I don't know the economics of when you cut somebody and, and that kind of thing uh, or, you know, how that works with the practice squad. But I mean, I think that in talking to Zoke a little bit today, which I did, you know, they still seem to have a little bit of faith in Corral and he may end up being the third quarterback at some point because you can carry three of them this year. So uh, we'll see. Philip, anything on that as a, uh, a diehard Panthers? Yeah, not a hundred percent sure. Like you said, on what they had to pay out. However, if he is that emergency third quarterback, he does have to be on the fifty-three man roster. So um, they could bring him up. They did sign a few guys. Uh, a guy that the Saints had waived, uh, an offensive guard, and then I can't remember the two other guys they signed. So that had a little bit to do with it. It sounded like from the reports I saw. But you know, right as somebody gets hurt, it wouldn't surprise me if he bumps back up to that fifty-three man. Yeah, you got. I think it's just wise to have that emergency third quarterback. I mean, you just you gotta gotta be able to have that. I think uh, in this day and age. Okay, uh, let's do with our uh, final few minutes here a pirate report. And now Patrick Johnson with today's pirate report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, ninety four three, the game. Uh, Mike Houston speaking at the uh, weekly press conference, and he says the key to the game against the uh, Wolverines is going to be guys not trying to do too much and win the game themselves. Just do what they have been uh, coached up to do, do their job, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. You know, that, that was the message I kind of shared with the team on Sunday was, you know, kind of, you know, one thing we have to be conscientious of, and it's uh, everybody's going to be excited on Saturday. The players are already excited. You know, they're, they're going to be highly motivated, and uh, we've got to focus on, you know, each of us individually, uh, focus on our role, focus on doing our job, playing our position, playing our part, uh, and not trying to do too much. Uh, on the depth charts, not di- uh, dictating roles and naming and not naming a starting quarterback. We're going to have 70 guys get on that plane Friday and head to Ann Arbor. And uh, when we take the field on offense, there'll be 11 out there. And that's, it'll be the same way on defense. And I just, I'll tell you, I, the, every year that goes by, you always look and evolve and stuff. And I, I'll tell you, I just, if you ask me to put together a depth chart, I mean, there'd be so many names on there. And I couldn't really tell you, you know, this is a starter and this is not because there may be a guy that might be listed on a depth chart as a two, but he's going to be out there for the first snap. So technically, he's a starter. Um, and I just, you know, we're going to play a lot of guys uh, on both sides of the football. We're going to play a lot of guys on special teams that have critical roles. And so, um, you know, we, we know who's going to take the first snap, and uh, everybody else will find out at 12 whatever the kickoff time is on Saturday. Uh, Pilk, let's skip ahead to cut four here. Coach Houston on how uh, previous teams have given him uh, kind of experience in going into a situation as an underdog and uh, having uh, an upset. They they didn't let the surrounding environment impact them. You know they stayed really dialed in to. Um, it's it's just another game. It's it's no different than you know wherever you know our home field is or whatever. 
Um, and it, that'll be that, that's the reason we're going to the stadium on Friday because you know we want to kind of check off the the check the box off on well this is you know one of the largest stadiums in the country and this is going to be a you know a 110,000 in here and but still you know you're, you're playing on the same the same dimensions and the same rules and you're playing against 11 guys. More from Coach Houston uh, on not letting the media dictate the Pirates' preparedness. No matter what anybody thinks on the outside, it's not going to impact what we do uh, on game day. And it's the external, external expectations can never drive our internal motivation. And it's uh, the talking heads say stuff like that, and then they have to eat their words after the game. You know, that's just that's part of it, and that's what they do. You know, they sit up there, and their job is to entertain audiences. And so, uh, you know, our focus is on our players, our coaches, you know, control what we can control, uh, doing a great job making sure the Pirates are ready to play and, uh, and kick off on Saturday and get after it. Part of that is the scout team. Let's go back to three, Pilk, uh, where Coach talked about the preparation and management of the scout teams. They should have figured out how to function last week, and that's the, the first week that you exchange scouts. Um, it's challenging for those guys. Uh, you know, you, you have a freshman that comes in here or you have a guy that's been in the program for a year or so, and, uh, you know, everybody's trying to make the travel squad, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, you figure out that this year you're going to be, or at least starting out because it changes, it's fluid throughout the year. But uh, so you're starting out on the look team. Uh, you know, that, that, that messes with your psyche a little bit. That's just human nature. And so we try to work through all that last week. Now, you know, the difference is now it's game week, okay? I ain't, I ain't got time to worry about anybody's feelings right now. I mean, we got to go out there and get work done. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's going to be committed to the, to the uh, you know, common goal, which is the Pirates getting a win. And uh, Coach Houston in Cut 6 talks about the excitement of the season. It's great to be back for another uh, season of Pirate football. Obviously, uh, you know, really excited about the opener. Uh, you know, having an opportunity to go up and play uh, in an iconic venue like the Big House in Ann Arbor uh, is going to be a, a great opportunity for our program, for our players and coaches. All right, and then coach on the uh, schedule for the upcoming week before Michigan. As felt really good coming out last week. Had a short practice on Sunday. Today's our heavy work day. You know, today and tomorrow will be, you know, the heavy lifting for this week. Getting in all of our padded work. We're kind of sharpening up on Thursday with all of our late game scenarios and special teams and kind of, you know, ironing out the game plan there and then get ready for the trip on Friday. So excited about the opportunity to go up there and compete. Looking forward to getting to 12 o'clock on Saturday. All right, there you go. That is uh, Mike Houston. That is today's uh, Pirate Report. We'll hear from the coordinators tomorrow and more from Coach Houston on Friday. So a lot to uh, get to as far as uh, that goes. All right, great show today. Thanks to uh, David Sawyer. Got a lot of nice comments for that. People enjoyed having uh, Podge Sawyer on to kind of update what we're going to do. It's going to rain heavy tonight, folks. So get home and... uh, Stay off the roads till the morning, at least, till daylight. Uh, And uh, the further east you are, the rougher it could be with this uh, now tropical storm. Thanks to Doug Martin. Always great to have him on. Look forward to talking with him throughout the season. Great job by Philip the Ref Pilkington. We'll be back tomorrow in the morning. I'll be on Talk of the Town, 7 to 9, 1037-96.3. Back here uh, at 10 a.m., video edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Jim Zoki will be with us. And then back here on the radio side at 5 o'clock tomorrow evening on the Patrick Johnson Show. 
Have a great evening. Stay dry.